I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. So they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to 380, episode 387 of Low Limit Football on this 23rd of April, 2023. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Arsenal drop points again this week, setting up what could be a league final with Manchester City on Wednesday. The Thomas Tuchel era has gotten off to a poor start at Bayern Munich, who now see Dortmund at the top of the table. We're going to discuss the implications, and Sedia A is seeing a massive rise in success in Europe this season, sending five teams to the respective semifinals of each European competition, none of which will be the Serie A champion this year. And we're going to discuss that and much, much more with our very special guest, Mr. Richard Carmen from Serie A Sit Down and Shalk America, who will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How was your week, my man? It was good, Joe. It was good. Obviously, you know, a lot of crazy games that we saw over the last few days in the Champions League and numerous leagues and numerous competitions. I mean, you know, certainly everything has been kind of really heating up right now. And it's good as a neutral, you know, depending on what side you are. Um, I think it's been very amazing to see. So let's definitely see what kind of kind of drama that we're up for in the next few days. I mean, certainly it's it's going to be tight. It really is. And, and I'm I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, where we stand right now, depending on what league you're following, you've got between six and eight match days left, uh, which is, I think, a fantastic thing. It, it, it's been exciting. It's been a good run to the end. Um, I think we want to go ahead and declare a couple of league champions um, right now as, as we stand here, because we've already declared Napoli as the winner of the Serie A, you know, and I believe that is the only league champion we've declared. However, uh, I think it's time to do a couple more, don't you think? So before we, uh, before we do our, our trivia question and everything else, um, as it stands right now, let's go over to League One really quick, because in that particular league, with six matches to play or six, ma six match days left, uh, PSG hold a nine-point lead over Lens in uh, in that league. They hold an eleven-point lead over Marseille, uh, although Marseille has a, a match at hand on them. So, Roberto, I think uh, I think in the in 
Dave Wasserman terms, I think I've seen enough, and uh, and I think uh, PSG is going to be the uh, the de facto champion of Ligue 1 again this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it really has been you know a kind of redemption, I guess, for PSG. I mean, certainly, you know, I, I think it was not the season that they wanted, you know, in terms of like actual other success. You know, I think they definitely wanted to win that Champions League, and they failed yet again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, another league on title, you know, credit to Lens and Marseille and, and Monaco to make it uh, a bit challenging. I mean, we've seen PSG kind of stumble along the way as well. But, uh, no, I mean, congrats to them, and we'll see what happens now next season. They're even going to be under the same manager with Gautier or, or some of these players as well. I was just going to say, you know, the questions remain moving forward because obviously the goal is always Champions League uh, for PSG nowadays. That's the project. So what happens with Christophe Gautier? What happens with Neymar? What happens with Lionel Messi? Uh, you know, I think Kylian Mbappe is probably the only solid piece there that will remain. So it's going to be interesting to see that, that that's going to be a rocky summer, I think, at PSG. I think all eyes will definitely be there uh, as well. Let's declare one more champion, my friend. Um, and this one, they uh, the team is provisionally 11 points ahead um, with eight matches to play as they have uh, as they have a nine. I'm sorry, an eight point lead over Real Madrid. And that's Barcelona. So with uh, without uh, much more left on their schedule and Barca obviously being out of, uh, you know, the European competitions where Real Madrid are currently uh, in the semifinals of the Champions League. There's a little bit of extra weight there. I'd say Barcelona is the uh, de facto winner of La Liga this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, deserved as well. You know, certainly a lot of doubt was going to be made on this side, you know, with kind of the issue that they had, like even getting players to be registered and uh, the new manager, Xavi. I mean, you know, that was always the big thing. But you saw Real Madrid kind of stumble along the way, you know, really not challenging as much as they should have. And and yeah, no, just, you know, I think it's going to be a interesting next season you know back in the Champions League if they are going to be indeed competitive like old years end but I think for Real Madrid hey I mean they're focused on the Champions League now I mean that certainly wouldn't be a, a bad season to cap off if they can retain their title again yeah so really we're looking at two more champions left to declare in the top five leagues of Europe uh so let's let's jump into opening thoughts well before that before we jump into opening thoughts why don't you give us a trivia question my friend Yes, and it's a it's a really good segue actually that we've made in our league on discussion, and we saw over the weekend Lionel Messi hit 15 goals and 15 assists, you know, putting him to become the third player uh, to hit that mark in a single league on season since the 2006-2007 season. My question to you is, who are the only other two players since 2006-2007 to hit the mark of 15 goals and 15 assists? Wow, that's an interesting... In a, in a single league on season, and they're all names that you are familiar with, so in a that's league, your hint. Ah, in a league on season. Uh, that is a great question. We will give you the answer to that uh, coming up at the end of the show. So, again, like I said, opening thoughts. We've declared three champions so far, but uh, other two other leagues are in absolute... Um, disaster mode right i guess where where we're coming down to the final wire let's start out with the with uh, the premier league with uh, arsenal football club who have drawn their last three matches have blown two two gold leads um and then uh this most recent match for them saw them go down 3-1 to bottom dwelling southampton before having to score two goals to to draw again in the meantime though manchester city just keep rolling so as we sit right now, Arsenal are sitting with a five-point lead. Um, they have only six matches to play. Manchester City have eight matches to play. So they are provisionally 
one point ahead of Arsenal. Manchester City now, however, do have the weight of Real Madrid and the Champions League competition coming up. But this is a disaster for Arsenal, um, you know, going forward. They've been in the driver's seat the bulk of the year. And you wonder if the depth of Arsenal is really what's killing them at this point where they just are not deep enough. It's been pretty much the same rotation for Mikel Arteta and and his team. And and you wonder if this is going to be enough um, to possibly hold off Manchester City. They're going to need a result against City midweek here. That's going to be one of our highlighted matches of the week. Uh, but this is this is definitely two teams uh, going in opposite directions. What are your thoughts on Arsenal and can they hold on to that top spot and the title? Ah, it's so difficult, really. I mean, you know, every time that we thought that they had a chance to do it and we thought that we were convinced, we thought, yeah, yeah, it could be done. But now you see them, you know, okay, I, I think we can divide this into two pieces. I think, you know, this Arsenal side, no one expected them to go this far. Let's 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 put that perfectly clear. I, I put them in my prediction. I think I put them in like fourth or fifth. Mm-hmm. You know, to make the Champions League was a success for me. At least that, that was how I thought it would be. And I'm sure you thought that as well. Yeah. Show. Having said that, you know, they had a great start. You know, you saw that all throughout the entire season, how they've kind of surprised a lot of teams. You saw a lot of teams like City and Chelsea and Liverpool and even Manchester United fall down. And you saw Arsenal just continue to rise, continue to rise. But you look at some of the games that they've now drawn points to. I understand the Liverpool one. Always a tough result to to go and get a result at Anfield. That that's understandable. But the games against Southampton, the games against West Ham and Southampton, two teams who are fighting for relegation, one team that is still in the relegation zone, if I'm not mistaken. So and and to get results, you know that is it's an obligation for them. You know that they have always been known that you know if, if you're going to win the Premier League, you're going to have to get results in, in places that are easy to get. And, you know, with teams that are fighting relegation, you know, you would think it's it's a given. Having said that, you know, those these teams are always fighting for something more as well. But, um, no, I think if if they do indeed lose this season, I think it it really, you know, is down to that. You know, down to the, the those three consecutive draws or even them dropping points, I think, to like Everton and, you know, even other games as well. I mean, they're going to they're going to look back at that as like. You know, a missed chance. Now, for the game against on Wednesday, I mean, again, that's the big one. It's it's been a while that City have looked so good, and it's going to take a perfect team to beat them. Mm-hmm. Will it be done? I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. As much as I really want Arsenal to win this one, because I, you know, I think you know we want to see something new, and the fact that this Arsenal side haven't won a Premier League title since 2004, City have won the last two. I would love it to see, uh, and I'm not putting allegiance in there or anything like that. I would love it to to see Arsenal win this Premier League title. I just don't think it's done. I think City just are too strong at home. You know, they've they've looked so good in what they have been able to achieve um, in the Champions League. Erling Holland has been scoring so many goals um, this season. I mean, I, I'm just I'm not convinced at all. I really am not. I I, I think this is. Manchester City's title to lose. Even with a draw, I'm looking at the remaining fixtures. I think maybe with Brighton, Fulham, maybe they drop points there, but I, I just I don't see it. I think I've lost belief after that Southampton game. I think I just packed it all in for that for, for Arsenal, and I don't think they win the Premier League. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. And it's funny because you look at the standings and you see Arsenal ahead of Manchester City right now in the standings. 
And you would think that a draw would favor Arsenal, um, but it actually doesn't. It, it really hurts Arsenal's chances to to maintain their top spot and, and, and win this division or win this league uh, title this year. And I agree with you. Manchester City at home, very, very difficult to break down, very, very difficult, you know, because you're going to have to counter against them. They want the ball. They want to possess. It's just, you know, Pep Guardiola's style. It's his signature. Arsenal have only lost three matches so far this entire season, which I think is an amazing accomplishment for them. Um, but I agree with you. I, I think City right now are just really playing extremely well on all fronts. And I think they are peaking when when a team needs to peak. Right. And this is this is definitely where you want to be um, going back to our, you know, because luckily I wrote everything down. Um, we when we did our, our league preview with Tom Scholes, all three of us picked uh, Manchester City to win the title. I was the only one that had Arsenal in the top four, my friend. Um, everybody else had Chelsea. So let's, you know, I'm, I'm going to pat myself on the back for getting that one, you know, partially right. But yeah, I agree. Manchester City is definitely going to be um, in control of, of this particular, uh, you know, season. And I think in control of, of, of what's going to happen here. So um, it's going to be a great match to watch on uh, on Wednesday. Let's look at the other league that's currently in question. And uh, and I know we'll dive into this a little bit further with, with Richard once we have him on. And that is the German Bundesliga. We've seen Thomas Tuchel take over at um, at Bayern Munich for Julian Nagelsmann, and he has drawn and lost matches in uh, in the league, and that's allowed Borussia Dortmund to jump back into this top spot. And we're looking at about seven matches left, if my math is correct. Dortmund hold a one point lead over them. Um, I went back and looked, and I wrote down the uh, the fixtures coming up for the rest of the season for both sides. And, you know, I think it favors it favors Bayern Munich a little bit more. They're actually going to face multiple bottom dwellers uh, in in their uh, in their next run. Their next three matches in league are uh, Erta Berlin at home, who's 18th, Werder Bremen, who is 12th at, at Bremen, and then hosting Schalke on the 17th. Um, you know, so those are their next three matches against teams that are definitely in the bottom half of the table. When you look over to Dortmund, Dortmund have to go to Bochum, who's 15th. They're going to have Wolfsburg, who's 8th right now in the league, and then Mönchengladbach, who's 10th. So a little bit of a tougher uh, a tougher path there. But then on the 21st of, um, 20th and 21st of May, you've got Bayern Leipzig. Um, and Leipzig will be fighting for that fourth spot. They're currently sitting fourth in the league. They're one point behind Union Berlin. They're one point ahead of Freiburg. So there is a Champions League spot on the line. That's going to be a difficult task for Dortmund to, to, to manage. This is tough, but I, I really feel like on this one, with Der Klassiker behind us, which was really the opportunity for Bayern to win this uh, league, the change from Nagelsmann at this point, I think, has been poorly thought out. Uh, I think they probably should have stuck with him to the end of the season. Would it have changed the City result in the Champions League? I, I don't think so. Again, like I just said two seconds ago, City are really peaking when, when a team needs to peak. But I think Bayern have thrown away the Bundesliga this year um, once they brought on Tuchel and things have not smoothed out so quickly. What are your thoughts on, on the Bundesliga? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think now with this, it's it's really the opportunity for Dortmund to take advantage. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we see that sometimes these leagues that have to be won are always done because, you know, the teams that are always at the top drop um, significantly, you know. And I think, you know, winning this league as close as you can get, it's probably as much as it's probably going to be as successful as you can be. Like that's that's just how it is. And I think, you know, I think Dortmund fans would adore that if they could just win it by 
goal difference at this point. I mean, I think that's just how it is. I mean, look, it really is up to them, I think, at this point. I mean, with all the remaining fixtures left, like you'd mentioned, I think, you know, you would think that Dortmund have enough to, to win it. And I think for Bayern, I think they've kind of missed that. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if they drop points again. You know, it's it, it, it could be that difficult. So, honestly, I feel more confident that, you know, I think these points could indeed be of success for for um, Borussia Dortmund. And, you know, I don't want to crown a champion, but it, it is looking likely that this might be the year that it could finally be broken. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to go into too deep into that. But, you know, it's still close to go. We've still got games to go. Dortmund can still slip up as well. So, yeah, yeah I can go either way. But I think Dortmund are in a really, really good spot right now. Yeah, I think I feel like this league is tougher to predict than than the Premier League. I, I, I really feel like this is, you know, with the match coming up on Wednesday, because they're head to head, it's it's City's title to lose. But I feel like the, you know, the Dortmund one is or the German Bundesliga is just something that is just it's just too difficult to predict um, because these teams are so strong and these teams also have been so faulty over the past season. So uh, this one's going to be, I think, Roberto, right down to the wire. I think we're not going to declare a champion until, you know, all is said and done. We've played our 36 matches in the Bundesliga, and we do have a champion. And even then, I don't know that we'd want to declare a champion because it's going to be so close. Um, Just going back to our our predictions with uh, Manu Veth, uh, when we did our preview, we had all three of us had Bayern winning this league. I had Dortmund second. You had Leipzig second. Um, You had Dortmund third. So interesting. Again, we've always said that the... You know, aside from the Dortmund part of it, I'm sorry, the, the, the Bayern part of it, the league has always been very difficult to predict overall. It, it, you know, traditionally three, four, five teams. And, and this season is no different. And I think it's just it's kind of refreshing that this season, it's, it feels like it's even closer than it has been in past years. So I think the, watching this down to the wire, I think it's going to be must see TV for uh, for football going forward to the end of the season. So let's uh, let's table our discussion of the um, of the title races in Europe. And let's get Richard Carmen in here. Richard Carmen from uh, Sedia A Sit Down and from Schalke America was joined, has joined us earlier. We got to talk uh, about these league title races, but we also got to talk about Italian success in Champions League or in Europe in general as they see five teams going to the semifinals in all three competitions. So without further ado, the Richard Carmen interview. And joining us now on Low Limit Football from Sedi A Sit Down and Schalke America, Richard Carmen. Richard, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you back on. I'm going to jump in quickly with a German Bundesliga question. I know we were going to talk about Italian success in European competition, but uh, I would be remiss not to lean on your uh, German Bundesliga experience and knowledge as well. Roberto and I were talking about the potential collapse of Bayern Munich since the arrival of Thomas Tuchel. You know, we think back just a few weeks ago, Bayern Munich wins Der Klassiker. They take a hold of the top spot in the Bundesliga. And now with Tuchel coming in, Nagelsmann getting sacked, we see them collapse and we see them eliminated from the Pokal. We see them eliminated from the Champions League. And we've now seen them eliminated from first place in the Bundesliga. Um, you know, the, the, both teams don't have the most difficult of schedules coming up uh, to close out the season, but I, I think uh, the Leipzig match is going to be a big deal for them, uh, for, for Bayern Munich. Do you see Bayern getting back into this, or do you think this is Dortmund's to lose now? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because I think uh, it certainly is Dortmund's to lose, and 
at least in the recent memory, they have a history of kind of, uh, I'll say, choking away uh, the opportunities that they have in front of them. Uh, but Byron, too, I mean, you know, they are – you can never discount Byron. Byron are, are kind of like Juventus and City A, where it's a team you can never discount. They're always going to be there to find a way. But the f- current form has you wondering, is this the year that they actually do collapse? And it appears at the moment – um, and if they, you know, if they lose this, if they lose to Leipzig, if they do find a way to blow this season, you wonder if Tuchel will make it till next season. Because uh, Bayern, like Real Madrid, favor the league more than they do Champions League, and so losing to your arch rivals, uh, the, the Bundesliga title would be uh, a massive kick in the stomach for the Bayern hierarchy, and they would not take that very lightly. Now, you know, Richard, looking at this as a whole, I mean, I, I think for. For what we know, I think for the Bundesliga, you know, having seen all this kind of success given to Bayern Munich, I mean, they're a 10-time consecutive defending champion. And, you know, like you said, the the perfect example is what we see in Italy that, you know, we saw Juventus dominate the entire league for so many years. And now we're likely going to have three different champions in three different years. I mean, is that something that you think could indeed happen if, you know, Borussia Dortmund become basically the... In this case, the inter of this uh, of this season, because <laughs> they were the first team to to break the the stronghold that Juventus did. Is that something that maybe you know that they can now start to think about having this kind of uh, I don't want to say legacy, but at least try to have like that level of competitiveness? Or do you feel that you know for Bayern's case that you know they lose this and they could just bounce back again like they do? I guess similar to what we see in I guess France with with PSG when you see other clubs like you know like Monaco or, or Lille win titles and, and break their stronghold as of recent years. Yeah, you know, I would love to say that, you know, this is going to be a start of what we see like in City A where we have, you know, three different champions, three different years after the long reigns. Um, and I'd love to see that in Bundesliga, right? There's a lot of teams that are in the mix, right? You know, the Leipzig, the Dortmunds, Union Berlin, you know, for example. But um, I, the way Bayern is set up, um, I, I feel like this would just be a blip on the radar and then they bounce right back up. I, it's, I think the onus is really on the rest of the league to catch up. We've seen Dortmund do a really good job this year, Union as well, uh, and Leipzig. But I think Bayern are just going to find a way to reset in the summer and then come back strong again. Um, until I'm proven wrong, it, it's one of those things, like the same thing with Juventus. With Bayern, until I'm proven wrong that they're not going to be in the mix, I have to go with them because it's it's hard not to. They've had the history of the last 10 years in a row that show that they can do it. Uh, and with the money that they have at their disposal compared to the rest of the teams in the Bundesliga, uh, I feel that they'll just bounce right back and, and continue uh, at least the assault towards the top. If not, if not, like Dortmund will challenge them. But uh, it'll be difficult for the rest of the league to kind of get their foot in the door. Yeah, totally understand. Now, looking at this other team that I think you definitely have an affiliation for and the team that really isn't doing that well, but, you know, are still in the fight to, you know, achieve safety. You know, we're talking right now before their game against Freiburg, another team that is looking to to qualify, not just for Europe, but the Champions League in general. Uh, that's uh, Schalke. And, you know, right now, as we speak, you know, 28 point, uh, 28 games, 24 points in 17th place, one point out of the relegation playoff spot and three points out of the, you know, the final spot that would achieve them safety. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, a lot of issues are been going on at Schalke right now. You know, certainly their first season back since uh, getting promoted from the second Bundesliga. They've already gone through three different managers. I mean, do you see that there is a case for them to, to survive relegation this season do you see them you know going straight down maybe fighting in the playoffs or do you feel that they can indeed achieve safety and and play in the Bundesliga another season 
Yeah, we said on the Shock America podcast that really the big games for me would have been the back-to-back of Hoffenheim and Hertha Berlin. They had to win. Both, they were both relegation six-pointers, and unfortunately, Schalke lost that first game against Hoffenheim, but did bounce back last week against Hertha with, a, with an impressive win. Now they're going to have to rely on, on help from other teams, like yesterday, a lot of favorable results, um, as well as they're going to have to pull out some miracle victories over you know the last three games are against Bayern, Eintracht Frankfurt, and Leipzig. All three teams are vying for Champions League and or Bundesliga titles. Uh, so it's not going to be easy. Um, this year, I mean, I think the talent is there to... They're, they're more than talented enough to be a mid-table team. They're very inconsistent. Uh, they're plagued with poor, man, poor management, poor... Um, tactics at the early part of the season. I think Thomas Rice coming in kind of stabilized the ship. Now what we're seeing is that the the coaching is stabilized, but the playing on the field is inconsistent. Um, the re, re, re-emergence or reinsertion of uh, Simo Toroda, the Svaita Liga all-time leading scorer, uh, helped last week because he got a goal and uh, provided a lot of um, um, support uh, for the for the wingers like Marius Boulter. But uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. I as the team is doing, I am doing as well, preparing for getting relegated and going to fight the league again, or maybe just surviving by the skin of our teeth. It's too close to call at the moment. Today against Freiburg, if they can get a result, that'll be a, a good step in the right direction. Um, while I don't want to be in the, the relegation playoff spot against uh, the, the the third team from the Svaita Liga, um, it's better than being in the absolute relegation spot. So we'll, we'll see. It's a long way to go. Eight games, long eight games. But today is going to be a, a good idea of what we can expect from Schalke going forward the last uh, eight games of the season. Now, obviously, another league that is too close to call is obviously maybe the league that everyone's kind of really focused on is the Premier League. You know, here we are speaking just days after the Arsenal draw against Southampton. And, you know, many people have really viewed this Arsenal side as, you know, a side that it was indeed good enough to win the Premier League. But now three straight games with three straight draws and really opening the the title race quite open for Manchester City, who, you know, obviously give it uh, get the chance to really surpass them, at least, you know, and put them in the control um, against Arsenal this week, um, this week against um, between each other on Wednesday. So, you know, how do you see this going? Because, you know, I think it's I think with Man City, they've always looked so dominant. And, you know, you think that with their blips that they've had so far this season, I mean, early Holland's been scoring for for jokes, basically, all the seasons we've seen. But, uh, you know, with Arsenal, with this young team, with Nikhil Arteta, I mean, do you think that they have enough to indeed beat this Man City side and then go all the way to the finish line to win the Premier League? Or do you feel that it, it could indeed be a three-peat for Man City at uh, season's end? Well, I thought the league everyone was looking at was uh, the Saudi league with Cristiano Ronaldo, no? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you know, this is it's, it's interesting dilemma here for Arsenal. Um, obviously, the results have not been going their way. I have a strong affiliation for Southampton, and Southampton uh, did them one on a 3-3 result last weekend. And so it doesn't make things easy for for Arsenal. And really, you know, if Bayern do, or Bayern, if uh, Man City do their job, then they're going to win the title. The big game is going to be against you know Man City versus Arsenal. If Arsenal can show up in that game and get the result they need, they're, I, I still favor Arsenal. As much as they're collapsing at the moment, I've I've seen what they did this season, and whether they win or lose the title um, this year, I think it's 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 obviously progression from last year. But it would be a massive blow to the team if they were not able to uh, to win the title. I they're gonna it's a definitely a a, a stumbling stumbling block at the moment for Arsenal. Um, they gotta kind of regroup, get back to the the simple things, what got them to the big lead in in the first place, 
and 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 do that. And a great way to start is that game against Man City. Get a result, get a win there, and kind of quiet every quiet the the nerves, quiet the the haters, uh, and then get back to work. Um, but it's too close to call at the moment. Man City, like you said, they've just been too impressive. Um, Erling Haaland, Erling Haaland is just scoring for fun, like you said. Um, goals left and right. You know he he tied or maybe has he broke already most of the uh, record already in the league. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. Man City, you know, are going to be there. They have the fortune. I guess Arsenal, Arsenal are happy that Man City are still in the Champions League in the semifinals, big semifinals against uh, Real Madrid. So that'll, you know, maybe play on their on on Man City's mind. But um, Arsenal need to kind of regroup now, get over the the last, you know, two months or whatever, basically, and kind of regroup and then focus back on what they what got them there. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how we'll see exactly what Arsenal's made of. Uh, in that game against Man City, because if uh, they don't, don't show up there, you know that's uh, the the mentality is completely gone for them. And I just want to jump in, Richard, because I want to go back uh, real quick to the Schalke um, discussion. And right now, the way it sits is that if Schalke do end up in that uh, in that playoff spot for the third uh, for the third spot to remain in the Bundesliga, the other team occupying that in the second Bundesliga right now is Hamburg. So talk about two, uh-huh. talk about two giants um, of German football having to face each other. One, you know, to stay alive um, or to gain promotion is, is just uh, it's a fascinating thing. It's going to be one of the massive matches if it does uh, materialize that way. Um, <clears throat> I want to jump in and I want to talk about uh, Champions League, right? Especially with the success, you know, obviously your affiliation with Schalke America, but your affiliation with SETI Asset Down as well. Uh, we would be remiss not to have an Italian guest to come on and talk about the massive success in, uh, in Europe this year, all the way around with Fiorentina moving on in the Conference League semifinals. We've got Roma and, uh, and Juve moving on in the Europa League semifinals. And then obviously the two teams, uh, gonna give us a Derby della Madonnina for, uh, the chance to play for the trophy with the big ears, as many like to say. And, it was it's it's interesting to see this. You wrote a great article about it this week about the resurgence of the Serie A in Europe. Um, what you know, just to elaborate on your article a little bit. I know that we we retweeted it, um, but just to elaborate on it a little bit more, especially the the Milan focus of that, because we talk about you know this trophy that the Champions League one. Let's start there. That is a uh, a trophy that is dominated by Real Madrid, right? This is their competition. We even said that last year when they won it all. Um, but Milan's there now, and and Milan is also a team that kind of owns this competition, having won it seven times. Um, although you know historically they haven't won it in quite some time. What are your thoughts on Italian success uh, overall? And then I want to go into the managers as well. Yeah. So, uh, well, first on the on the uh, Schalke Hamburg prospects, uh, that's it's enticing for for German fans, no doubt about it. Last year, uh, two of the most um, highly viewed games in the Zweite Liga were ha- Schalke versus Hamburg, two two massive clubs with a long history, uh, and it would be I mean the world for the Bundesliga to ha- to have that kind of game. Um, yeah, so unpredictable at the moment. I, I don't want to see that because that's a it's a difficult matchup, and Hamburg probably lined up very well against Schalke, but uh, it's going to be must see TV. Uh, and uh, as we said last year, Svita Liga, uh, it really is a super league because there's so many good historic German clubs down there. And it's a difficult league to get out of, much like the championship in, in England. Um, transitioning over to City A. Yeah, it's been a fantastic uh, season for City A with five teams now in the semifinals. Um, who would have thought that was going to happen right at the beginning of the season? Um, yeah, you know, I wrote the article because, like, it's been a while since City A has been at the forefront, right? It was a 90s, 80s, and 90s, really, where City A was at the forefront in, in, in all of European football. 
Uh, and then kind of with, you know, the Calciopoli, obviously the, the Spanish Giants kind of reemerging with their money. Uh, Milan and Inter both struggling and, and kind of going off the map. Calcio took a big hit. And, uh, you know, so you started seeing, you know, La Liga. Obviously, La Liga has always been well. England, um, even the emergence of Ligue 1, and there's always Eddie Divise and all these other leagues. Um, Calcio kind of been on the back foot, but they kind of restructured the way they play. You know, Calcio was known for Catenaccio, right? Defensive. Uh, you saw all the superstar defenders that came out of, of City A. Uh, kind of transitioned over the last five years where you've seen a lot of goals now in City A. You, this is not your father's Serie A, as we always say on City A sit down. Um, <laughs> Goals happen left and right. I mean, teams are scoring for fun. Teams like Sassuolo and Atalanta, they just they score boatloads of goals. Then you got some top teams like Lazio and, and Napoli who can score five, six goals a game if they wanted to. And then, you know, get uh, some of these other teams who are, are very good at scoring as well. So, yeah, this league has really kind of transformed to not only just being technical and defensive, but now finding ways to score goals, sometimes at the expense of defense, but uh, doing a really good job of that. And, you know, with these teams in, in Champions League, it's it's – we said it from the beginning of the year, and even last year, that the the depth of the, the top teams in City A is so good. It's probably maybe the best it's ever been in terms of equality all the way across, maybe the top seven, maybe top eight teams. And you're seeing it this year with how deep teams are going in in um, in the Champions League, or Champions League, Europa League, and Conference League. And you know, if, it could have been, it could have been, you know. Napoli could be in the situation as well. They, they had to face another Italian team, and unfortunately, they faced a team with you know uh, some historic uh, precedent in Milan, and Milan got by them. Uh, but Napoli's had a fantastic year as well. They're arguably one of the most impressive teams in Europe this season. Obviously, led by Victor Osimhen and, and uh, um, Havica Havrashelia. So, um, what they've done this year is amazing in, in Serie A. But you know, going back to the Champions League, and um, in particular Milan, we said we, we talk about. Champions League DNA, it's a real thing. And people like to scoff at it. You know, the the, the Calcio heads are, uh, around the world like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it's a real thing. It, they, Milan showed it. They've showed it this year. Like last year, yeah, it was their first year back in, what, 10 years or something crazy. Uh, and so they, they had to learn their way back into how to play Champions League, obviously being led by uh, Paolo Maldini and, and, and Masara. Uh, are, are guys who've been there. They know how to how, what it takes to play in this kind of uh, tournament. They would obviously tell them the importance of what it means. Um, and to Milan in particular, you know, I, I talked about this earlier, how Real Madrid and Bayern, though Real Madrid are the kings of Europe, they are. Um, but their main focus has always been the league. And you look at Milan, their focus has always been Champions League. Of their seven Champions League titles, only once in, in those seven titles did they win the Scudetto that same year. They probably averaged a third place position every other every other um, every other Champions League title. So their focus has always been champions. They always want to be the kings of Europe, not necessarily just the kings of Italy. Um, and so what we've seen is that Milan is really taking that aura to another level. San Siro is a magical place when you watch for Inter or Milan when you, when it comes to Champions League or just a regular league game. This the the, tif- the tifos, the crowd, the choreography is amazing. Right, uh, just just to be in one of those um, rivalry games is 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 would be the, the ultimate goal, I think, for most people. I think in 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 the football world, and so now having the Derby della Madonnina as a as a big European fixture, as we saw in 2003, with the, obviously the flare game where the flares are thrown into the crowd and hit one hit Dita. Um, Milan's aura cannot be um, uh, overlooked. Uh, in the Inter, Inter are a team that have won three titles too as well, so they, they kind of have a little bit of that. But you know, some of these other teams that they, they come up against, and Milan's come up against, they you know, you look at Milan on paper and they're like, okay, we can match up with them. But then there's this other thing: it's that aura, it's that Champions League DNA that I've been talking about. Real Madrid have it, obviously. Anytime they step on the pitch, 
uh, they, you have that history that's weighted down on you and puts so much pressure on you. And so I think Milan have used it very well to their advantage. I think in, in a game like the Derby della Maddalena, it uh, kind of cancels it out because both TIFOs are so great. Both teams have you know very good Champions League histories. So it'll be an interesting tie uh, for sure. But uh, City A has kind of uh, put their foot back on the map. Like I said, I wrote that article about it. Um, it just, uh, the way Fiorentina, all the managers in City A this year, they found ways to readjust um, the, the two competitions or even three if those in, in Coppa Italia, like Vincenzo Italiano for Fiorentina. Uh, He's in the he's in the he's in the uh, Coppa Italia final. He's in the Europa League Conference final, uh, semi final, and then um, doing well in Serie A, getting, maybe getting a European spot. So, uh, and then you got two two of the probably best cup managers in Serie A, which would be Stefano Pioli and Simone Inzaghi. So, yeah, the Serie A is a turn, and this hopefully it's not a blip on the radar. And we'll see. I think we're going to see a few more years of deep runs by the Italian teams, especially in Champions League. Yeah, you know, and and I want to go back to that Milan part because I I think one of the big differences this year, um, in terms of their success in this in this competition versus uh for versus last year and also versus you know the way they started out this season is the return of Simon Kier uh in the in the defense you you saw them basically hold Napoli the highest scoring team in Italy. Um, to no goals over 270 minutes. I mean, Victor Osman scores that goal uh, in stoppage time in the last match that they played. But you're talking about a team that scored, uh, was it uh, eight goals, I think, in three matches? Um, yeah. It was just, it was an incredible thing. But I think it starts from the back. It starts with Mike Magnan. It started from, you know, guys like Simon Kier, who's who's really starting to come back into form. Um, can he make that, can a guy like Kier... Uh, move that forward, especially when you've got Lautaro Martinez coming in, you've got Sim, um, Ed and Dzeko, you've got Romelu Lukaku, who scored a goal today as well. Um, can we, can Kier keep that moving forward against those top strikers? Kier is one of the main reasons Milan won the Scudetto last year. Um, his, his superb command, and it's funny because he kind of came out of nowhere. He's always been a, a decent defender, uh, but when he joined Milan, it's something about it, kind of, he just kind of took another level and became this really very good defender, one of the be- better defenders in the league, and kind of calmed the defenses back there. Obviously, it helps to have a, a guy like Mike Magnon back there, one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper in the world. Uh, but Simon Kier, his uh, reading of the game, his aerial ability, uh, his ability to kind of um, play the tactical mind games, I guess, that Piolio wants uh, defensively against some of the best attackers in the world, he does a really good job, and, you know, this year to begin the season, it started out not that great, especially for Kiar. He kind of saw himself benched and kind of was able to get regrouped. The injury kind of put um, a little damper on his performance. But once he got healthy and he got reinserted back into the lineup, Milan have looked defensively as good as they did last year for their Scudetto run. And that should be worrisome for, for everybody else because that means they kind of figured it out. Now, the big thing for Milan is uh, in the league – they kind of go back and forth with consistency because they're focused so heavily on Champions League. But right now we got a, you know at least a, a few weeks uh, between the next game, the last game, and the next game that Milan can kind of focus back on Serie A. And so, yeah, I think Kiar is certainly a guy who steps up to these big games. And I think when it, when it comes to the Derby della Modena, um, Inter present a massive challenge for Milan. Uh, I even say I, I consider Inter maybe a slight even favorites in this uh, tie just because of the way Inter been playing in, in Europe as well. But Milan's defense, you know, defense wins championships. And I think 
Simon Kier, Mike Magnon, and then the way he's got the rest of the guys playing, you know, Tamori or Kalulu or, or Calabria or Teo Hernandez, they're all kind of feeding off of Kier and, and Magnon, and I certainly think they have the leadership uh, and the tactical know-how to kind of steer them and make them have a chance to to win. Uh, and I think the, that a full credit goes to Simon Kiar and his mentality and strength as a as a leader because, again, with that blip early in the season, he kind of regrouped himself, and now he's back to where he was last year. So, yeah, Simon Kiar is a fantastic leader and defender uh, in Serie A and for Milan. So if we talk about AC Milan as the Italian giants of Europe, um, I'd like to just look at the, the giants of Italy because, you know, and I'm sorry, Inter fans, suck it up, but Juve is <laughs> definitely – you know, is definitely the Giants of Italy. Uh, you know, let, let's and let, let's be honest. Um, they had probably one of their biggest days um, ever last Thursday with the reversal of the 15 point deduction with their advancement over over Sporting Lisbon into the semifinals of the of the Europa League. Um, you look at the season now, they're in a position really to, to kind of climb back into second over Lazio today if they if they can do the the business against Napoli. Um it's amazing you look back on this. If you ask a Juventus fan, including myself, that, uh, you know, uh, if you asked on Wednesday if this was a, a success or a failure for a season, I would have told you this is a massive failure of a season. But here they are, semifinals of, of a European competition. They are, you know, virtually secured for a top four spot, meaning they'll get into Champions League again next year. This roller coaster of a ride for Juve has been something incredible. Um, and I don't know where to point the finger. I want to point the finger against Max Allegri because. I'm sick of watching one nil victories, right? Uh, and that type of mentality, you see it brought onto the pitch every single week. It's almost, it's nauseating. It's, it's so boring. It's nauseating. Um, but it's, but it's getting results now. So what, what are your thoughts on Juve and, and what they've done this season? I will say with Max Allegri, um, and people, it's a, obviously common phrase is if it ain't broke, why fix it? Right. Mm. His bread and butter is, Scoring one or two goals and locking up shop. That's been his bread and butter. That's how's gotten him wins since his, even the days when he was in Milan. Uh, and so he is a tactical genius. He knows he does just enough. He focuses all the energy on the defensive side, the discipline side, uh, and and it's get results. And you know, outside of Napoli, Napoli's having a fantastic year this year. But the second best team in the league this year, undoubtedly, is Juventus. Um, and the 15 point getting back that they're now two points behind Lazio, which kind of shows it. Uh, Lazio's having a fantastic season, no doubt about it. But Juventus, what they've gone through with the 15 point deduction and then all this other stuff, with all the eyes on them in terms of the legal side, they just kept getting results. They, I mean, they had what the second longest winning streak in, in Serie A this year. Um, just the work that uh, Allegri's done. I mean, you know, Vlas- Vlahovic, who especially everyone's darling, has struggled and they've had other issues with the personnel. Um, the, Max Allegri has found a way to tinker just enough with its, its mostly veterans with a sprinkling of you know youngsters like Miretti or Fagioli, uh, and it's worked really well for, for Juventus. And again, it's not the most um, entertaining football like watching Lazio or Napoli, but it gets the job done. They're in the semifinals of, of um, the Europa League for a reason. And, and let's be frank, you know, you're right. Juventus are the biggest team in, in Serie A. No doubt about it. And I think Champions League needs teams like Juventus, Inter, Milan, and Napoli uh, to be success- make successful deep runs. And um, if Juventus, if they're, they're fortunate enough to win to Europa League uh, or even see an all-Italian uh, Europa League final, I think it would do wonders for them. And I think you know, it gives them a, a boost going into next season, knowing that they can, they can certainly contend. And we'll see what they're made of against Napoli. We'll see what both teams are made of, honestly. Uh, when they play here very shortly this weekend, um, 
Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun draw. But I think Max Allegri deserves all the credit in the world. I know Juventini don't necessarily want to give him the credit because you know he kind of put them in the situation. But you know he had to kind of figure it out. This is not the team. This is you know this is not his team originally when he came in. He's trying to still get the pieces in together. Um, I still think the midfield is a little weak, but he's getting it done, and that's all that matters. He's figured it out. You know he's lost some heavyweight defenders in there and now kind of readjust with the new guys and they're all doing the job and you got a fantastic goalkeeper in Chesney. Juventus are a viable threat to City A every year and this is another year that shows that Max Allegri is one of the top managers in Europe. Yeah, certainly it's been a work in progress this year, no doubt. Uh, I want to close with two questions and you kind of alluded to one of them. Do we see an all-Italian Europa League final? Whew. Yeah, that would be nice, right? I... I the hard one, the hard fixture to call for me, the harder fixture to call for me is going to be Sevilla, the Kings of Europa League versus Juventus. Um, Juventus certainly have the talent and ability to to beat Sevilla, but as Manchester United find out, Real Madrid have that aura in Champions League. Sevilla have that aura as well in, in Europa League. And it doesn't matter who the manager is. They seem to find a way to get to the finals every, every time they're in it. Um, and that's going to be a difficult ask. However, I think this year... The way Juventus has been playing, they just found another level in, in the Europa League. They want to kind of prove a point that, hey, you know, all this stuff, all these haters against us, we're going to prove them all wrong. And I think Juve get by the skin of their teeth. And I think on the other side, Roma and Bayer, that kind of suits it well for Roma. The way, you know, Bayer are very inconsistent. They're a dangerous team, but they have their flaws. Uh, and I think there certainly can be had. So, yeah, I do think it's going to be an all Italian uh, Europa League final. And uh, I'm excited. Um, it would be something, you got two great stories there, right? If, if Juventus win it, they kind of redeem themselves a little bit their season, uh, get back in the Champions League, uh, get back to the mystique that they kind of slightly lost this year. And then for Roma, Mourinho pulls two European titles in, in, in successive seasons, one's the Conference League last year and then Europa League this year. The boost to his ego, the boost to the team, um, it puts them in Champions League then and it makes a. Uh, uh, a wonderful storyline for next year because while Roma may not necessarily be the strongest team of, of all the teams in Champions League, you can't discount them with Mourinho. You obviously mm-hmm. cannot because they now have cha- they now have European um, experience with Conference League and, and Europa League either way. So it's going to be a fantastic uh, finals. Hopefully it is an all-Italian one. Um, and uh, at least we'll have an Italian in uh, – the Conference League and in the Champions League. So that's my opinion. So uh, the, that, my final question to you is how many uh, trophies will Italian teams return from Europe this year? Will it be one, two, or three? Oh, that's, a, that's I think the most <laughs> difficult one for sure is going to be Champions League. Yeah. Uh, Man City and Real Madrid are undoubtedly the favorites, but as we say, it's if it's a two-legged affair, I say you can almost guarantee that Man City or Real Madrid will win the title. It's a one-legged affair. Anything can happen in one one game, uh, especially if you have a team that has the or like Milan, uh, but also the talent and, and tactical no uh, wherewithal with Inter. Um, it certainly can be done in one game. We've seen Porto, you know, in 2004 when they won, and nobody thought they would win it. We've seen teams do it before, so it's possible. I'm gonna say, I'll try to be a realist in this one. I'm gonna say there's two titles this year from Italian teams and European and European competitions. One's Europa League, one's the Conference League. Wow, that's that's interesting. And, and yeah, Fiorentina have looked really, really good too. So, Richard, I want to thank you for joining us on the show and, and giving us so much time. Always a pleasure to have you on, and we look forward to having you back soon, my friend. Thank you, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Have a great one. 
And special thanks again to Richard Carmen for joining us on the show. Roberto, we've got a full list of fixtures coming up this week, uh, including CONCACAF Champions League this week. So let's let's kick it off with CONCACAF Champions League on Tuesday night. The Mexican side of the semifinal, Tigres and Lyon, will kick off at 10 p.m. And then on Wednesday, as we talked about, we have midweek matches this week, by the way, in both Spain and England. Uh, on Wednesday, the, the one we've been talking about, Manchester City, Arsenal, 3 p.m. And then we go to the MLS side of the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal with the Philadelphia Union hosting LAFC at 9 p.m. on Wednesday night. On Thursday, we have Tottenham Hotspur and Man United, a top, uh, a top clash there at 3.15 p.m. And then we're going to go over to Spain to check out Athletic and uh, Sevilla, who are going to kick off at 4 p.m. Fast forward to Saturday, we're a big one in Italy with Roma and Milan at noon. Barcelona and Real Betis at 3 p.m. And then at MLS, we're going to have Orlando and the LA Galaxy at 7.30 p.m. Uh, LA Galaxy just picking up their first win of the season this weekend. Uh, so uh, right now that leaves only Sporting Casey as the only team without a win so far. Then on Sunday morning, Liverpool, Tottenham Hotspur, 11.30 a.m. We're going to look at Wolfsburg Mines also at 11.30 a.m. And we're going to close out the weekend with Marseille and Auxerre in Ligue 1 at 2.45 p.m. Roberto, you gave me a great trivia question about Leo Messi at the beginning of the show. Why don't you give it to us again? Yes, absolutely. So, obviously, Lionel Messi hit 15 goals and 15 assists this season at PSG. He coming only the third player with that amount in a single league on season since the 2006-2007 season. Can you name the other two to have hit that mark? Okay, so I feel like to to do to get this number, to get this team, or, or get to these players, it's going to be on teams that have to score a lot of goals. Uh, you know, So the first one that I'm going to give you is Kylian Mbappe. Yes, Kylian Mbappe did it in the 2021-22 season, 28 goals, 17 assists. And the other one, you know, I... I don't know why, but I feel like this name is the name I want to give you. Mm-hmm. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It is not Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <sighs> you know, I'm I'm going to be at a loss. Um, and and I know I'm going to kick myself because you said these are two two players that are you know pretty well known. They are pretty prominent. They're still active. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm going to give you one more guess, and then I'm going to have you give it to me. Um, sure, go for it. Alexander Lacazette. It is not Alexander Lacazette. You were very close. Uh, so Lionel Messi did it this season with 15 and 15. Kylian Mbappe did it in the 2021-22 season with 28 goals and 20 and 17 assists. Mm-hmm. With 20 goals and 16 assists in the 2011-12 season was Lil's Eden Hazard. Oh wow! Okay, that's a great that's a great answer. I, I did not think about Hazard and and. You know, forgetting that you always picture Hazard as as a Chelsea guy and, and, and now Real Madrid guy and, and you always forget that he really started out at Lille. Um but that's a great uh that's a, that is a great, great trivia question. So without anything left on the list to do, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So for th- episode 387 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Richard Carmen for joining us on the show. We will be off next week and return the following week. I believe that's the weekend of May 7th to bring you a preview of the semifinal matchups in the Champions League, Europa League, and the Conference League. So for episode 387 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>